0: In your mind, they don't necessarily deserve that forgiveness, right? Um, but, But forgiveness does go to them even if they don't deserve it. And I think that that's, I think it's something that we have to remember. It's not something we earn, just like salvation, just like the forgiveness from God. We don't earn it. It is freely bestowed upon us.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Matt McMorris here, and I'm really excited about today's episode because it's one I'm doing with my wife. Uh, Christy and I have been married for 18 years now, and when we recorded this session, we had only been married 17 years, so we weren't nearly the experts that we are now. Uh, No, but back in April, we did a couples retreat, and she and I recorded this session together as we sat down with some of the people from Grace Valley Church and talked about kind of dealing with a flawed spouse and how should we handle that? How do we go about that? And tried to give some biblical and practical advice on how to handle dealing with a flawed spouse. And so that's what we did when we got together at this couple's retreat. Several sessions, but this is one of them that I thought would be helpful. Now, the the video for this is not great. We just kind of slapped up a camera. The audio is pretty good. It's not amazing. Uh, You'll hear some changes throughout with the audio and there'll be a couple little issues with it. But overall, it sounded pretty good. And so I thought it was worth sharing with you. And so today's episode is literally just a, a session that Christy and I taught together about help. My spouse is flawed and I hope it will be a help to you in your marriage. So thank you for tuning in for Grace Beyond Sunday. Here's today's episode. Christy, 18 years, nearly 18 years ago, um, married an an imperfect person. Um, You remember when you're dating and they seem almost perfect? Like, this is too good to be true. They're amazing. Everything about them is so wonderful. And we're going to conquer the world together. And like when you're in Bible college, especially, it's like we're going to conquer hell together. Like we're going to go reach the world for Christ. And then it's like I I, I thought we were going to go reach the world for Christ and I can't even get him to put his socks in the laundry basket. Like it just, we're flawed individuals. I I am more flawed than you, Mm -hmm. admittedly. Y'all heard it. (laughs) Marriage, um, Paul David Tripp said this. Marriage is a flawed person married to a flawed person in a fallen world but with a faithful God. I'm never going to have paradise in my marriage. Paradise is to come. I'm never married to a perfect person. That person will never be my Messiah. I think too often when we look at marriage we think that the person we marry is going to be the one that fulfills us, the one that makes us happy, and the one that makes our lives better, and we get married kind of under that false pretense. At least I kind of had that illusion. How about you?
0: Yes, I would say that um, when I got married, I thought that, great, we're, we're partners together, we're always gonna get along, we're gonna be best friends forever, and nothing's gonna go wrong.
1: And sometimes it does. Oh, yeah. So here's, here's the thing. Um, point number one, we're gonna, we're gonna test George. Point number one, your marriage is never going to be perfect because of sin. Your marriage is never going to be perfect because of sin. Here's the reality. Romans chapter 3, 23 says what?
0: For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God.
1: There's not a single person in this room who isn't a sinner. And here's the thing, it would be really easy right now for us to think about our spouse. Like, yep, I married a sinner. Guess what? So did your spouse. <laughs> they married a sinner too. What does Romans five twelve say?
0: Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned.
1: So this idea of everybody being, sinner, being a sinner is so, so pervasive. No one escapes it. You're not married to a perfect person. I mean, Mac, you're close, but you're not quite... No, it's just, it's, she was quick on that one. She's like, nope, not even close. Right? It's, it's one of those things where if you go into marriage thinking that it's going to be perfect because they're the most wonderful human being in the world, and they may still be the most wonderful human being in the world, but they are still a human Christy, why don't you read this quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. I'm going to have you talk more about this next point in a second.
0: You will never make yourself feel that you are a sinner because there is a mechanism in you as a result of sin that will always be defending you against every accusation. We are all on very good terms with ourselves, and we can always put up a good case for ourselves. Even if we try to make ourselves feel that we are sinners, we will never do it. There's only one way to know that we are sinners, and that is to have some dim, glimmering conception of God.
1: So here's the Christian paradox. The more I get to know God, the more aware I am of my sin. The more I get to know God, the more aware I am of my sin. So, Christy, what is, what, what is a key? We talked about this a little bit yesterday on our way up. What is a key to having a healthy marriage as we discussed yesterday?
0: I think there's so many ideas out there that we can think of that, oh, if we, if we went on enough dates, if we spent enough time with each other, if we were you know worked extra, extra hard at being kind, um, those are good things that we can do to our marriage. But the key to having a great marriage actually starts with yourself and your relationship with Jesus. It's not my relationship with him. It's not our marriage, it's not making that whole and perfect. It's my vertical relationship with Jesus, first and foremost.
1: So when that happens though, this concept of sin becomes all the more real. Because the more I find myself focusing on Christ, the more aware I am of my sinful nature. And so if I want to be a better husband, the way that I am going to see who I really am and why I struggle as a husband is going to be when I draw closer to God. And so there's two things that I want us to understand here. One is that when I recognize that I'm a sinner, that your marriage isn't going to be perfect because of sin. Number one, that's not an excuse to not have a good marriage. Like, well, I'm a sinner. You know, I can't just look at Christy and be like, (laughs) Yeah, but you have to expect that. pastor said I was going to be a sinner. And so that's just, it is what it is. No, no, no. That's not an excuse. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Shall we continue in sin so grace can abound? Like, can I just keep sinning because of God's grace? No, no, no. The King James Version, we talked about King James yesterday. It says, God forbid. Like, no way, no how should you just continue in sin because you're a sinner. Um, The closer we get to God, the more we're going to be aware of our sin and so sometimes what happens in our marriage is I start to think about how can I Have a better marriage. Well naturally, I feel like I want to try to fix her I Can have a better marriage if I can just get Christy to be this or to be more that and the reality is I need to understand that I am a sinner and I need to work on me But I also need to understand that so is my spouse And so it's something we both need to work on. So number one is your marriage is never going to be perfect because of sin. But number two.
0: Where there is sin, there is even greater grace.
1: Where there is sin, there is even greater grace. Romans chapter 5 verse 20. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Talk to me about this a little bit.
0: Yeah, so... This idea of sin can often be a mental block for us as Christians. And we can say, well, I've sinned so much in my life. I'm not worthy to go before Christ. I'm not worthy to go before God because I just have all of this junk in my life. And that, friend, is so opposite of the truth. God is already there. He's alre- Jesus is already in our place of need in our sin. So as we sin, Jesus is there waiting for us to come to him and to lay it at his feet. He's already forgiven us of all of that sin. So I think sometimes for me, a block to work on myself with my sin is going, I mess up. I, I am so far into my horrible attitude. I'm done. God can't forgive me of this. He's certainly not going to forgive me of this. I'm just move i'm I'm leaving i'm escaping the problem i'm going away um but that's actually the opposite jesus wants us because where sin increased grace abounded all the more
1: there's this idea oftentimes uh that you'll you'll find with people that uh, that i've invited to church before and they're like oh i can't go to church I, i i gotta clean my life up first which is a little bit like somebody that needs to go to the hospital saying oh I, need to, I, I should probably get to a hospital because I have cancer, but I'm, I'm trying to get rid of some of the cancer first. It's like, what a, what a goofy idea. Because where where there, there is sickness, you go to the hospital because that's where the medication is. That's where the doctors are. That's where the ones that can help you get better are located. And when it comes to this idea of sin, of thinking, um, it gives you hope, first of all, that if your spouse is the, the problem, like I know we're both the problem members, but if you're in a marriage where... Uh, maybe, And I say this, like even if this isn't somebody that is in this room, but maybe you have friends or family members where they've got a spouse who is just off the deep end. They're just not doing well at all. Where sin abounds, where sin increases, grace increases all the more. I, I think about it like this. If, if, if I were to take a pitcher, and I were to be pouring that pitcher out and saying, okay, if, if my pitcher of water represents sin, and Christy had a pitcher of water that represented grace, and and we're just sitting here, and I start pouring a little bit of sin. She pours even more grace, and I'm like, oh, well, but but I'm st- I'm still sinning. I can I just keep sinning, and she just keeps pouring more grace. But I'm sinning and more grace and more. And and that's how that's how the gospel works, is that even though I'm a sinner and even though I sin, there is so much grace. But now here's here's where things get get interesting. This grace is offered up to those of us that know Christ. The number one thing you have to know in your marriage is that if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your marriage is at best going to be just an amicable relationship between two lost people, okay? Like, if you don't have a personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if He is not the sovereign rule of life, then you are just in a relationship that you're going to, fingers crossed, hope makes it to the end. In our small group last night, uh, somebody was sharing how they had gone through some difficult, and I'm not trying to break a confidence with anybody, but they're going through a a difficult circumstance and didn't even want to believe in God because it was just that hard until finally God got a hold of their their life, they surrendered, and everything in their life changed. So the best you can do is hope, fingers crossed, that maybe my marriage will survive. Because because of this reason, to non-believers, this is the the top of your second page there, to non-believers, sin evokes God's wrath. Sin evokes God's wrath. If we truly understood the holiness of God, we would revel all the more at His grace and understand the necessity of the intensity of His judgment. My inability to understand His wrath is directly connected to my inability to understand His holiness. Here's what I mean by that. We sometimes think, and I had a conversation with a lady not long ago, who said, I can't believe in a God who would create people and send them to hell. Like, I cannot believe in a God that would that would do that. But here's what that person doesn't understand, is that God created us with a desire to have a fellowship with us, to have a relationship with us. But because of our sins, God's wrath has to be poured out on that sin. And, and when we look at that, we go, Man, but, but God's wrath seems so massive, but it's because we don't truly understand his holiness. When we truly, which we never fully will on this earth, but the more we understand the holiness and the magnificence of God, the more we will begin to understand the necessity of not just judgment, but the intensity of that judgment because God is so holy.
0: Can I interject there quick about our view because I think that's what you're touching on it. I think it starts with our view of God, of recognizing how incredible that is and where we find that view of God is in Scripture. Like, we're not going to just come up with it. It's not going to just happen, okay, I believe in God. We can all say we believe in God. But our view of God has to be based off of Scripture alone.
1: Yeah. So if you're here and you've never placed your faith in Christ, then let me say this with love and grace. God's wrath is currently going to need to be poured out on you. That's the bad news. The Bible says all of us have sinned, all of us fall short of the the glory of God. There's there's none righteous, so there's not a single one of us that just gets to go to heaven because we're good enough. If we were to put a scale up here and take all of Christie's good deeds, and she's got a lot of them. We take all of her good deeds and put them on one side and all of her bad deeds on the other side. Even if in our heads we go, I think her good deeds would outweigh. No, no. All it takes is one sinful deed for the scale to get tipped. It just takes one. So if, if you've ever sinned in your life, then you're a sinner. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? Just one. How many affairs do you have to to have to be an adulterer? Just one. One sin is all it takes to be a sinner. And the Bible says that we're all sinners, and sin deserves God's wrath. But we talked last night about the greatest gift of love. For God so loved the world, He gave His Son. Why? So that we could have eternal life. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. Okay, so Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth and he lived a perfectly sinful life or sinless life and he went to the cross and God's wrath was placed on Jesus. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. The wrath of God was placed on Christ. So that's a gift that's been offered. So if I took, if I took my cell phone over here and I said, hey, I've got a cell phone, I want to give it away to somebody. And I said, Ray, I want to give you my cell phone. If I'm offering it to Ray, is it his cell phone yet? No. And here's where some people get confused. They go, I believe that, that, that God sent Jesus to the cross for, for the sins of the whole world, and so everybody goes to heaven. No. I can offer something as a gift, but it doesn't become yours until you receive that gift. There has to be a time in your life where you look really your faith in what Christ did on the cross. Because to non-believers, sin evokes God's wrath. And the reality is, in our marriage, the best we can do is just hope. To, to get through, and someday God's going to judge us. But Christy, what's the next one say?
0: To Jesus' followers, sin evokes God's grace.
1: To Jesus' followers, sin evokes God's grace. So remember our second point, where there is sin, there's even greater grace. For those of us that know Jesus, there's God's grace. Christy and I read a book recently, um, a little while back, uh, by Dane Ortland, um, Gentle and Lowly gentle and lowly. It says this, one, one of the quotes in the book says this, when we feel as if our thoughts, words, and deeds are diminishing God's grace toward us, those sins and failures are in fact causing it to surge forward all the more. Now listen, you may say, I am struggling with sin. And sin can affect a marriage. I've talked to so many men who, who can, who can uh, attest to the fact that, that pornography is, is negatively affecting their marriage. I've talked to, to people where uh, the, the wife has certain issues or the mm-hmm. husband has certain issues and those sins are negatively impacting that marriage. But here's what I want to give you as hope this morning. When you look, if you look at your marriage and say, I don't, know, I don't know if we can make it. I just feel like we're too far gone. I feel, like, I feel like there's too much that has happened in our lives for us to have a great marriage. Like Maybe we'll be in a, in a business contract like, like we, we still live in, under the same roof. And, and maybe, I, I knew a guy that him and his wife didn't get along very well at all, but they, they still would be intimate every once in a while because it was just kind of an, an agreement to help meet each other's physical needs even. And it was just, it was tragic. But when there's sin, there is more grace than there is sin. You say, Matt, I, you don't know, like, like, I've re- like I've really mistreated my wife. I've really done a lot of sin. Thomas Goodwin says, there's comfort concerning such sin in that your very sins move him, move God, to pity more than to anger. Here's where this gets difficult to understand. As parents, what happens when our kids sin? It moves us to, moves us to anger. And so it's hard to understand the heart of God. But the reality is that God loves us so much that the more we sin, the more he is moved to pity. The more he's moved to sympathy, the more he love. So the problems you have in your marriage are actually sin problems. But, but our sin actually evokes God's grace. What's the next quote from Dane say?
0: The sins of those who belong to God open the floodgates of his heart of compassion for us. It is not our loveliness that wins his love. It's our unloveliness.
1: So talk about this, this whole concept of God's grace because this is something, when you read the book, I felt like it. this whole concept struck you right between the eyes of God meeting you in that place of sin.
0: This freed me of the idea that I had to live up to a certain expectation for God to actually love me. This freed me of all of that because it's not that. It's not that loveliness that God looks down on and says, she's got it. She is doing what she should be doing. Therefore, I love her more than I love him over here. It's my unloveliness that draws Jesus's heart to mine. And that that blew my mind because that was the complete opposite of how I was living my Christian life. I was trying to do all of these things to earn that favor of God. But there is nothing that I can do to make God love me less. There's nothing I can do to make God love me more. He loves me equally as I am. Um, so it just kind of was a moment of transformation, really, in my Christian walk with the Lord.
1: And if we if we weren't sinners, there would be no need for a savior. Mm-hmm. Like right. it's the very fact that we're sinners that allows us to have this relationship with Christ. We we wouldn't we wouldn't need Jesus. Mm-hmm. We could be totally independent. We would be gods right. if we were mm-hmm. um, I I posted this on social media the other day. Had we no sin. We would need no Savior. We would need nothing but a little Savior if we had only a little sin. We are, however, sinful not merely in action, but by our very nature. Thus, our Savior is all the more abundant in His grace and mercy, for even in our sins against Himself, Christ has saved us. And so, when you're going through your marriage and you're thinking, we're struggling. You're gonna struggle. You're gonna have difficult times. There's gonna be times you're gonna look at your spouse and you're gonna be like, they are just wicked right now. <laughs> and there's gonna be times where your spouse is gonna be able to look at you and just be like, do you even believe in God? Like, do you, you even think like there's a savior? Like, like, you're acting like an, a possessed a, 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 a demon right now. Because there are times where we get so caught up in our selfishness and our pride and our anger that we don't show. Like we talked about last night, we don't show God to our spouse. And here's the thing, I'm not saying it's okay in the sense of, it's okay, you can just do that and they just have to deal with it. I'm saying it's okay, you're normal. God's grace will meet you in that place of sin. So the more you sin, the more of his grace there is. There's more grace than you can possibly imagine. I had a friend, remember um, Jenny Lohman? Jenny I had a I had a conversation with with a woman, Jenny Loman, one time, a friend of ours, a pastor's wife, um, and we were talking about prayer in particular. But she she was talking about how God gives grace, and she said she's like I imagine it like this. She goes, it's like there's a warehouse full of grace, and it's it's always full, and every time I come to the Father in need of grace, it it's always loaded on the truck, ready to go, like it's. it's, it's it's immediately accessible. I don't have to go to God and say, God, I've sinned. I'm, I'm going to really do better so you can forgive me. You no, know, we talked about a confession ago, read, read, read some scripture verses for us, that when we, when we confess, the, the, the forgiveness, the grace is immediate. Mm-hmm. Like, it meets you in that place. Now, that doesn't mean don't use this as a weapon against your spouse. God forgave me already. Why can't you? <laughs> I've never done that before. Really? I've done that before.
0: You mm-hmm. <laughs> have. Where I
1: try to take my spirituality and force it on my spouse. Mm-hmm. So these are not weapons of war we're giving you. These are, these are tools for your own sake that you can recognize when you're in your marriage, when you're involved in your marriage, that there's, there's sin in your lives because you are sinners. Mm-hmm. And if God, here's the thing. Here's the other side of that. Because I know that my wife is a sinner... And I know that God's grace toward her sin. And her sin is ultimately against who? Even if it affects me, who's it ultimately against? It's God. It's against God. Mm-hmm. So her sin is ultimately against God. If God can show her grace, why can't I? Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that the, the, the hurt is immediately gone. That doesn't mean the, the pain is immediate, isn't immediately gone. But the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. In other words, God will take care... Of avenging you with your spouse. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you in here sometimes feel like I just I just want to get them back, <laughs> like I just I, or worse yet, how many of you like to win? Mm. I don't I don't think mm. I don't think Vicky's very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find the bonus words.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we like to win. Yeah, Christy's she's an athlete. She's competitive. I'm slightly less of an athlete, <laughs> um, but we're both competitive. It's sometimes. We get in an argument, we get in a a heated discussion, and sometimes it just keeps going on for one simple reason. I want to win, she wants to win. But where there is sin, there is grace. And if her sin is against God, I can show her grace, and my sin is ultimately against God, she can show me grace, which leads us right into point number three, which is...
0: Flawed people need to show and receive forgiveness.
1: Flawed people need to show and receive forgiveness forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So we need to show and receive forgiveness. Now ultimately, we have seen forgiveness because of what?
0: We forgive because we have been forgiven. So Again, it goes back to that point. God has forgiven us of so much in our lives. And because of that, we have the ability as believers to then pass on forgiveness to to others.
1: We're supposed to forgive because of the gospel. Mm -hmm. If you've placed your faith in Christ, then all of the sins that you've ever committed, that you are committing today, and that you will commit for the rest of your life, all of those sins were placed on the cross of Christ. Mm -hmm. And God looked at that and said, I forgive you. I love you and I'm forgiving you. Because how many sins can enter into heaven with us? None. A big zero. Mm -hmm. So none of those sins can get into heaven, but we have been forgiven. And so we forgive because we too have been forgiven.
0: You know what helps me with this too at times, and it's that illustration that you've used time to time at Grace Valley is when you've brought Carter up and you put the robe on him that has all of the sins written on it. If those of you who Been at our church. Remember this, Um, and that's how man sees us. Like we have those sins all over us, and when we accept Christ as our Savior, Christ exchanges that for the robes of righteousness, which is a clean slate. And that is how God looks down at you. I often don't look at you that way. Still see my old robe. (laughs) I see, you know, your attitude. You're snarky. You're whatever. You're grumpy. Let's not get specific. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's 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 go there. (laughs) Confession time. (laughs) Uh, but that's how I look at you, and what has helped me, and I don't do this perfectly, I, I don't even do this right most of the time, which I, it's always a work in progress, right? um, is looking at you the way Jesus looks at you, um, because that will help my mind shift, be able to then remember, wait, I'm supposed to extend forgiveness in this realm.
1: Well, we talked last night sign about giving, suffering, and sacrifice, right? That's how we can show God in our marriage. Well if I see her as forgiven by God, it's easier for me than to give or suffer or sacrifice and forgive her. Because if God's been able to forgive him, because ultimately that sin was against him, if God's able to forgive her, I should be able to as well. I think it's a great point of being able to see you the way God sees you rather than the way I see you. Because in our marriages, so often we're so close, we're just, we're right there in the thick of it, that it's a little bit harder at times to step back and go, okay, this is a spiritual battle this isn't just two to people fighting. Yeah. This is, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Of the, like, like the devil wants us to fight. And so instead of fighting with each other, we need to see each other the way God sees us. So we forgive because we've forgiven. Secondly, we forgive even if it is not deserved. This one's hard.
0: This one is very hard because sometimes it just hurts. Sometimes I'm just mean to you. Sometimes you are just mean to me. And... It's the last time you
1: get to do a session with (laughs) me.
0: And there are times where, you know, if you've ever been in a disagreement with your spouse and you're ready to stop it, and they apparently are not ready to stop it, um, they don't in your mind, they don't necessarily deserve that forgiveness, right? Um, but, But forgiveness does go to them even if they don't deserve it. And I think that that's... I think it's something that we have to remember. It's not something we earn, just like salvation. Just like the forgiveness from God, we don't earn it. It is freely bestowed upon us.
1: Write this down. We cannot fix them, but we can forgive them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We cannot fix them, but we can forgive them. And here's the thing. We talked about this last night. When I forgive, God often, through the Holy Spirit, will fix the problem. Mm -hmm. We cannot fix them, but we can forgive them. We forgive, number three, under this. We forgive because we treat others the way we want to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Like, I need forgiveness from my wife. So this is kind of a practical tip. I need that forgiveness. And so I want to be known in my marriage as being forgiven. Being forgiving. Because if I'm willing to forgive, then I'm hopeful that she's going to forgive me from time to time as well. When we were in the car coming over here, you were talking a little bit about um, the conversation you had with Ron. Do you remember what we were talking about there?
0: Um, Yes, I do. So Ron is um, our biblical counselor, and he specializes in pastoral counseling. Um, And we are not naive enough to think that we could walk through this thing (laughs) in life alone alone um and god graciously brought ron and his wife Rodetta into our lives at a very very vulnerable time in our marriage and in our ministry as well um and i got to a place in my life where i recognized i needed help i needed help because i was constantly trying to fix this <laughs> um Which and so i went to ron and i just said but and i you know what you guys i had good reasons Okay, I wanted my husband to be able to be happy. I wanted him out of the depression he was in. I wanted him to love Jesus more. I wanted him, of course, to not be as grumpy in the day-to-day. But but my motives for going to Ron, I said to him, but Ron, I, this, I'm his helpmeet according to scripture, and I'm supposed to help him get to the place spiritually where he needs to be. And Ron looked me dead in the face over Zoom, and he said, that's not your job, your job is you. And he said, you need to fix your relationship with Jesus right now, and you need to let God handle this. And I was like, huh, how is that gonna work? <laughs> and he went on to explain these principles to me, and he went on to explain that, that my most important thing is this, is my relationship with Jesus. And then if I follow these biblical principles, um, it's not guaranteed that Matt is going to follow them as well, but my heart will be so in tune with Jesus that I will have the grace, I will have the forgiveness, and I will be able to actually be that hope meet you need.
1: We got to a place where we had a conversation. We'd gone through some, we had gone through some really dark stuff just in our lives. Um, some of you have been with us long enough to understand some of the struggles that we went through several years ago. And um, and and I got to a place where I just was I was kind of getting numb to the world. I was getting numb to my wife. I was getting numb to the kids. And We got to a place where we we started having conversations not about divorce. We're stubborn. We like we wouldn't get divorced for anything. You couldn't pay us to get divorced because we're just that we're just stubborn about it. like. That's I'd make not him stay option, with me. <laughs> right. But we got to the place where we, we literally were having conversations about this may just end up being a business agreement. We'll raise the kids. We'll even sleep in the same bed, like. but w- we're not going to be happy together. Like We yeah. just got to that place where and there was so much, and, and it's, it hurts to say this, because it, it would be easier to say there was so much pain, there was so much hurt, there was so much, just, there was so much sin, yeah. there was bitterness, there was anger, there was over-legitimate things that we had to get a counselor, like we had to get somebody involved, or we knew that our marriage was just gonna be
0: hmm.
1: dead. And I knew that if our marriage was dead, that I wouldn't be able to pastor, like, because I just wouldn't, I wouldn't have the capacity to do it. And if you know me at all, you know, I have no other skill
0: sets. (laughs) I had to keep my job.
1: No, but like, I was like, this could, this could ruin our whole lives if we don't figure out what's going on here. And, um, so we met with Ron together Mm -hmm. and we met separately and there was, there was demons. I was battling with depression and frustration and, and bitterness and anger and some of that, some of the stuff that he and I had to walk through. Some, And what was interesting, and what I want you to grasp, is that most of the problems in our marriage had nothing to do with our marriage. Most of the problems in our marriage were problems I was having and problems she was having. And so because I wasn't right with Jesus and because she wasn't right with Jesus, we weren't right with each other. Right. And I want you to grasp this concept that the, when you understand the reason you're struggling is because you're a sinner. But God's grace is so abundant and so amazing. But I will also say this, and this isn't in the notes, but we have a Ron. And I, I'm telling you, if, if, I, if I texted Ron right now and said, Ron, we're struggling, I need to talk, it would just be, let's get, let's get it on the calendar. And he would, he would make it happen. And the first time Christy asked me this, and I'm, I'm making a point with this, she said, I think we need to meet with a counselor. And I was just like, I'm supposed to be a counselor, (laughs) not meet with a counselor. I said, fine, if you feel like it will help our marriage, I will meet, but I'm not going to talk. I've got nothing to say. It was an hour-long conversation. Ron introduced himself, and we chatted for a little bit. It was all online. We chatted for a little bit. And then he asked me a question, I was like, well, am I going to be rude? I'll answer his question. And I did not stop talking for 45
0: minutes.
1: (laughs) And just it just started to bubble up. Did it kill you? It did not kill It did me. not
0: kill you, okay.
1: <laughs> and here's, here's where I'm going with that. If you need help, yeah. get help. And, and I, would, I would caution you where you get that help. A, a church is a great place to start. Mm. A non-biblical therapist, and I'm not making fun or criticizing, but somebody who doesn't think like Christ, all they're going to do is give you kind of secular principles to get along better. Mm. What you need to deal with your sin and to develop a relationship with Jesus and your marriage can legitimately thrive. Not just, and look, that doesn't mean every moment of every day you're gonna be unicorns and rainbows. A thriving marriage doesn't mean you never have stress and you never fight. I would say that we have a thriving marriage. But I had to apologize for something last night on the way home from this event, (laughs) on the way back to the hotel. Because I sinned. And I had hurt her, and I needed to apologize. So it was you- only one point. It was <laughs> I told
0: you.
1: But here's, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's, it's one of those things where we have to stop romanticizing love and marriage to thinking that if my marriage isn't just we're on dates and we hold hands and we kiss in the park all the time, like, but he still yells at me sometimes. Yes, he's still a sinner. And yes, you're still a sinner. And yes, you married a sinner, and so did your spouse. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. There is grace, and sometimes you need somebody to help you walk through that. Find a trusted Christian friend. Talk to me as your pastor. If, if I can't help you, I will, and, and I've had people tell me this before with different things. They're like, well, I was thinking about talking, and when it gets bad. like, I was thinking about talking to you, but I do not want to bother you. Like, that's my job. <laughs> it's what I'm here to do. If I can help you, I want to help you. If Christy can help you, we want to help you. And, and you say, well, we can't afford a counselor. Here's the good news. You don't have to pay us. Mm-hmm. Like we really, we want to meet with you and help you in your marriage because we care about you and we want you to succeed. And sometimes you just need somebody to come along and say, here's, and, and here's the thing, if you come to us and you're like, hey, we, we need some help with our marriage, I promise you I'm not going to help you find out what your spouse is doing wrong and how you can help them fix it. I promise you that. We're going to find out what's going on in your heart and dive into that and help you be the man or woman of God that you're supposed to be. Because here's, here's the thing. You can't fix your spouse. I can't fix your spouse. Only the Holy Spirit can do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so where sin abounds, grace abounds, show that forgiveness. Because of grace, if God can forgive, we can forgive. Any other final thoughts on this before we close?
0: Yeah, I think it's important to remember that at the end of the day, as believers, we will give an account to God for how we lived our life. We will give an account to God for how we managed our relationship. I'm not going to give an account to God how I managed his personal relationship with Jesus. Um, And if we can keep that to the center of our mindset, if we can keep it Jesus, keep it there, um, it's a lot easier to remember these things. Work here, not here. And then this will be a byproduct of a strong relationship with God. Thank you